Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is the Catholic podcast where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it, and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we're going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? Rochelle Lucero here. Thank you for spending some time with me, tuning into this episode. Today we actually have a midday recording session. I recorded earlier this morning, but after I listened to the recording, there was a snoring pug in the background of my audio. (laughs) I don't know if you are familiar with pugs, but they snore when they sleep and when they're awake, they just snore all the time. Oh my gosh, my dog, just so many noises. I, I can't even, sometimes he sounds like an alligator. Sometimes he sounds like a pig, other times a dog. I I don't know. Anyways, yeah, he made a a very big appearance on the last track. So we're re-recording. But anyways, enough of that. How are you doing? How is your Lent going? We're about halfway through. How's that working out for you? (laughs) In my world, Lent has been a little bit nostalgic for me this year. And I think it's kind of odd, you know, by this time, you would think, I thought anyways, that that nostalgia would have worn off, but it hasn't. And I know why I why I feel that way, why I have that nostalgia. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I came back to the faith, it was right before Lent of 2010. And that Lent was essentially my welcome home party. <laughs> you know, could you imagine that? You return to the Father's house and it's like, yay, party, we're excited, you know, that you're back. But um, uh, there's not going to be any cake. There's not going to be any balloons. Instead, uh, we've opted for some intense prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And uh, how do you feel about 40 days of penance and solemn music? <laughs> yeah, that was my welcome back. But I must say that that Lent was the best Lent that I've ever had. And it's been hard for me to not compare other Lents to that one. And I think that's why I've been nostalgic for it. And I've been wondering what was so different about that very first season that set it apart from all the rest. Do you ever do anything like that when you have an exceptional spiritual season or a moment in prayer and you wonder, huh, what exactly made that what it was, right? And you even kind of long maybe to experience something like that again. So while I've been wondering about my first Lent back, two thoughts have been circling around each other during my prayer time. One is the phrase, rend your heart, from the book of Joel, and the other is this concept of the mountaintop experience. And I was stuck on the concept of rending your heart, you know, thinking that that and that alone was what set my first Lent apart from all the others. But... The Holy Spirit told me I was wrong. (laughs) The Holy Spirit really helped me out though. And he showed me that I didn't have a powerful Lent because I rent my heart well. I had a powerful Lent because I had a mountaintop experience. And in response to that mountaintop experience, I rent my heart. See, those two events had to go together. And that is where the power came from. 
And so my takeaway from this is that we do not rend our hearts for the sake of Lent, but in response to the mountaintop experience, and also that these two events need to go together. And so that's what I want to share with you today. And this recent revelation brought me clarity and life, spiritual life, to my Lenten and spiritual understanding. And I feel like it needs to be shared and I want to share it with you. So I think we should first start by talking about a mountaintop experience. Because as far as I know, there isn't like an official church definition or anything technical. And actually, I think that this phrasing of a mountaintop experience is more of like a colloquial expression. But if I'm wrong, please correct me. But because of this, I know that people have their own understandings about what a mountaintop experience is. But for me, when I think of a mountaintop experience, I think of Isaiah 2 or the second chapter in the book of Isaiah. So I want to look at that and we can start with the words of Isaiah and then I'll just kind of build out from there. So Isaiah 2, starting at verse 2. It shall come to pass that in the later days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord of Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up swords against nations, neither shall they learn war anymore. All right, and that's only to verse four. But from this, when I read this, a mountaintop experience is the presence of God where a few things happen, okay? God reveals his ways or his heart, okay? He also shows us how to walk in his path, right? Or to to walk in the way of the Lord. He also inscribes his ways or his, his love onto our hearts. And in doing that, he rewrites everything that we thought that we knew. And this has a life-altering effect. Now, that to me is a lot more than just a refreshing feeling or a spiritual high that can sometimes be what people mean when they say a mountaintop experience, right? Like God is showing you his heart, his ways. He's inscribing his ways on your heart. He's he's rewriting what you thought you knew and it's changing you forever, okay? So we see here that the purpose of the mountaintop experience is to learn the ways of God, right? The people say, come, let us go so that we can learn the ways of God, right? Jesus has shown us the ways of God by revealing the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is the way of love. Now, when you encounter the heart of the Father and you accept his love, his ways are inscribed on your heart. And when that happens, something needs to be rewritten, right? So if, if we have already written out the rules of life on our own heart, right? And God enters in and he is truth and he is love and he writes his ways on your heart, then that means he's re- he is rewriting what you thought life was about. You see? 
And when that happens, that is going to transform you in the best way, right? And the way that the people in this scripture, they were transforming their instruments of war. They were transforming them into what? Into tools that work and cultivate the growth of the earth, right? So from death and violence, now they are living a life that is geared towards life and love. So how do you go from this blissful mountaintop experience to this seemingly violent and painful act of rending your heart? (laughs) Because for all intents and purposes, rending is tearing and tearing is a violent act. And um, it's also a painful one if you've ever torn a muscle or Oh, or even like a hangnail. Oh my gosh, those things are painful. And in the last episode, I mentioned that rending the heart actually represents freedom, healing, love, and true belonging. And I totally, totally stand by that. And you'll see, you'll see that come to fruition in the rest of the episode. But I want to tease that out a little bit because I don't want it to come across as though I'm implying that rending your heart isn't violent or painful because you know, it is, as as I just kind of demonstrated, it's just not the type of violence or pain that you would expect. The rending of the heart is actually a holy violence. And the violence isn't being done to you. That's something that I think gets confused often. You are actually the one who is doing the violence, but you're not doing the violence to yourself. You are doing violence to the things that are keeping you from coming into full agreement with God and with his ways. And we know his way is love, right? So anything that is keeping you from coming into full agreement with the love of God, those are the things that you are doing violence against. Now, these could be things such as habitual sins that you might be attached to or lifestyle choices that you may have made that are not in line with God's plan for your prosperity. Sometimes, and I feel like this is pretty common actually, lies are a big are a big hindrance for us coming into agreement with God. You know, lies that that you might believe about God himself, lies that you might believe about the world, you know, something that you were taught like this is the way that the world works and this is the way you should behave in it, or even lies about yourself, right? When Joel said, "Rend your heart, not your garment," During his time, rending or ripping of the garments, that was a sign of repentance. You know, along with the sackcloth and ashes ritual, you would rend your garments. And as a sign of repentance, you were repenting as in you were leaving your sinful ways and your ungodly attachments behind you so that you could walk away from them in order to walk towards the Lord. So when you rend your heart, In this instance, during our Lenten practice, you know, it's a big theme for us. When you rend your heart, you are tearing away these things that are death-dealing things, you know, things that are, are taking you away from the love of God because they actually never belonged on your heart in the first place. So you are just removing them, right? Because they don't bring about life. They don't bring about love. They're, they're not in agreement with God's love. So for me to revisit my first Lent back to the faith in 2010 and putting all of this in context, like the Holy Spirit made it very clear to me that 
I mean, all of this happened and I wasn't aware of it. You know, it was all grace. But now, since so much time has passed, I'm able to look at it and and look at it through the eyes of Jesus with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and just see what happened. And in order for me to rend my heart of all of the stuff, all of the baggage, all of the the crap that um, would keep me from coming into agreement with God's ways and, and walking in his paths, I had to first encounter his love, right? I had to first encounter the love of God on the mountaintop, you know, that metaphorical mountaintop. And I had to let him inscribe his love in my heart and show me the truth. And that is what made my first Lent so powerful. Because when I returned to the father's house, physically, I was there. You know, I walked in the door and I said, all right, God, I need help. What are we going to do? <laughs> um, actually, it was more like, what are you going to do for me? However, through that first Lent, those two events of rending my heart and having the mountaintop experience, they unfolded throughout that whole season. And my mind and my heart were able to come into agreement with the truth of God and the love of God. And let me tell you, coming into agreement with God is incredibly liberating. But I don't want it to seem like it all happened like at once. Like I came into agreement with God and then everything in my life was easy and perfect. And no, (laughs) Um, yes, I came into agreement with God. I, I made that decision to follow his ways. You know, I was so transformed by his love, but it it was a process of unlearning things and um, learning now how to do things in God's way. And um, it took me a long time. Um, However, I was met with a lot of grace and the time flew by. But every time I made that decision to, to follow God's way, to follow his way of love, it was another moment where I experienced liberation, you know, and it all started for me during Lent of 2010. You know, I went up to that mountaintop, so to speak. And like I said, I experienced the love, the truth, and the freedom of God. And in response to him, right, because he is love, he is truth, and he is freedom. In response to him, I rent my heart. And to this day, I am still rending my heart. I mean, yes, during Lent, but also throughout the year, right? Because like I said, every time you come into a agreement with God, right? When you rend your heart, you're coming into agreement with God. Every time you do that, there's a liberation there. And that that feeling of liberation, it never gets old. And to this day, I still experience freedoms in different areas of my heart all the time, right? And because that's what God wants for us. He wants our freedom. He wants us to rend our heart so that we can experience that freedom to be able to learn his ways even deeper and to experience his love even deeper you know, so that we can continue to walk in that freedom, right? So during Lent or any other time of the year for that matter, I don't rend my heart for the sake of Lent or because that's one of the spiritual themes, you know, that Catholics have during this season. I rend my heart in response to the mountaintop experience, in response to that life-altering experience of encountering the heart of God and learning his ways, you know, like like in that second chapter of Isaiah that I, I, you know, I pointed out to you. And even though I'm in the desert, 
rending my heart, I don't stay in the desert, right? I go back up to the mountaintop to encounter the Father's love again and again, right? Because we're not supposed to stay in the desert forever. As Catholic Christians, we're not desert people. We're resurrection people. We're alleluia people, right? We're about the alleluia. It's about, you know, the Paschal mystery, the Easter resurrection. I hope that that revelation that I received in prayer is something that is going to also bring you spiritual life and clarity like it has done for me. And um, yeah, it was nice to share it with you. So I want to switch gears now and I want to bring you the comment of the week, which is from one of your fellow listeners by the name of Michelle. And she emailed me and I'm sharing this with you, this particular comment, because she's giving feedback about a resource that I have available to you. So it's real world feedback about something that can be a benefit to you. So she is writing to me about the check-in. Now, if you don't know what that is, it is a new resource that I have been providing. It's basically a few reflection questions that correspond with each episode. And it's called the check-in because you take those questions and you use them to check in with Jesus, with your friends if you do like a discussion group, or with yourself if you just want to do like a self-reflection. And so this is what she says. She says, thank you for these questions. It gave me time to reflect and type out my thoughts and be accountable, not just, quote, think about it. And I'm so happy she said that because that is exactly what I was hoping that these questions would do. Because in this episode, I know I have given you quite a lot to reflect on. And the questions in the check-in will help you to take it all in and to make it something that will benefit your walk with Jesus. And the check-in is free. It's um, provided through the weekly email. So that's how you get it. You have to sign up for the weekly email. And when you do that, Every week when there's a new episode, that day you will receive an email that has the latest check-in included in it. So to sign up for the weekly email and to receive the check-in, there is a link down in the show notes of this episode. There is also one on the homepage at clumsytheosis.net. If you're trying to sign up and you can't figure it out or you have questions or anything, please feel free to email me, clumsytheosis at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you fairly quickly. Now, I understand that you could want the check-in questions for this exact episode and you don't know if there's time for you to sign up to get them. Yes, you can still receive the questions for this episode as long as you sign up for the weekly email within the first week. So if you sign up before next Friday, yes, I will send out the check-in questions for this episode. And I really encourage you to sign up to get them because I think they're beneficial, even for myself. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me, my dude. Until next week. Peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. (laughs) But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. 
there you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email, and very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at clumsytheosis.net. Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right, thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us. 